I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Pet Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Well, hello and welcome back, everybody. Hope you've had a wonderful week. Mackenzie Hafen is owner of Sunfire Canines, a pet sitting and dog walking company out of Pennsylvania. She joins us this week to discuss how COVID-19 has impacted her dog walking business, how she's been able to remain in contact with her clients, and a little bit about her backstory and how she got started. So let's dive right in. Thanks for having me, Colin. I'm super excited to be here. Like you said, I own Sunfire Canines. I am out of Pittsburgh, PA, and I service a small part of the suburbs in Pittsburgh. I try to keep my route and all my clients in a small area just so I can maximize my clients. Then, <laughs> how I got into dogs for me, I knew like way back when I was 10 that I wanted to work with dogs. And a lot of people, I feel that they're kind of like, oh, you like dogs and you like animals, you should be a vet or a vet tech. I'm like, no, I don't like math, I don't like science. I got my first dog when I was 10, and she was an American Eskimo. I took her to the training class, and they did this exercise where it was called Pass the Puppy. And everybody was trading their puppies, and she would work with the puppy that was traded. And this guy comes over to me, and he's like, okay, here's my dog. And he took my little white fluffy puppy away from me and handed me his giant, I think it was an Akita. And um, I'm like, oh, this is way bigger than I am. Like, it's not going to listen to me. I'm just standing there holding the leash. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> the, instructor, <laughs> the instructor goes through all the obedience commands. I'm like, okay, I can do it. I can do it. I was trying to, like, psych myself up. And the dog listened to me. The dog was like, that, mm. down, he stayed, he stand, he did all the behave, the commands. And um, we traded back our puppies. And the owner said to me, oh, he listens better to you than listens to me and in that moment i was like oh i can do this this is this is where i want to be yeah of just that moment of of you know what yeah i can do this and this is kind of cool and and uh let's you know let's let's explore this a little more and and see where it turns out so that's that's really cool that you had a an akita push you along the way Now, Sunfire Canines, where did that name come from? So in 2011, I started working at a doggy daycare, and there was a car lot across the street from the daycare. And I didn't have a car at that time. I was 18. I was right out of high school. And obviously, working there, I was saving up to buy a car. And I'd always just look out and browse and say, like, oh, which car would I want? What did I get? I got a Pontiac Sunfire. Sunfire. (laughs) Yes. I honestly... Anybody listening to this would know that my first dream car would be a little Fiat, but Fiat's not conducive to like driving dogs around at all because they're way too small. But neither really was a Sunfire, but it's the only thing that like I could afford. But yes, my company is named after my car. I like the name because I don't, I didn't want it to be like my name because if I branched out, like to be like, oh, well, where's if it was like Mackenzie's dog walking. It's like, oh, well, where's Mackenzie? If you're not like personally doing that client, and you've kind of brought some of the that imagery, I think, a little bit into your your logo too. That Sunfire, and you, you know, Sunset. So tell us a little bit about the logo that you have too. I didn't get my logo up until this year of 2020, okay. and <laughs> I saw a logo that was my friend has a daycare, and he had this logo, 
and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I love your logo. Like I need whoever designs your logo to design mine. So she gave me her information and I got on the logo artist's uh, waiting list and she said, oh, okay, well, it'll be like maybe like six to eight weeks. And this was like late November, early December. I'm going on vacation in February. So I knew, I just knew that she was going to tell me it was my turn to design the logo um, while I was on vacation. Two days into my vacation, she tells me, you're next. It's your turn. <laughs> you want to wait? Do you want to proceed? And actually, everything obviously went fine. I was like, I don't want to wait because her waiting list is super long. So mm. I was like, no, we'll do this. I told her. She gave me sketches. It was awesome. Wow. Really happy with it too. That's one of those things that's really hard to again, again, hard things to do in business is pick a name and then pick a logo. And I, I don't know if maybe being on the beach influenced, you know, the the beautiful sunset that you have or sunrise oh, yeah. on the logo or anything. Or... When I picked the name Sunfire Canines, I knew that I wanted it to um, obviously have a sun in the logo. The dogs in the logo are my dogs, Shepherd and the Shiba Inu. So I mean, I've heard mixed things about putting your own dog in your logo because then it's like much about them and not about like your business and it should be more of like a silhouette. I thought, no, that's, I'm going to do what I want to do. Again, that's a hard decision. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people that have had either a tribute to their dog or tribute to their pet in their logo. And, you know, your regular client isn't going to know that they're just going to go, Oh, there are dogs here. This is a dog service and just, you know, company that makes sense. So it's, I, I still think that that connection is really important to have in a logo. So what kind of services do you offer in your business? One of the services that I designed was my two hour program for my group of dogs. And that was designed because I realized how much the dogs need to go out and be out and be active and stimulated for that amount of time. So I'll have my two-hour group. I'll do day visits, which um, is like going over to somebody's house midday, letting them out, going potty. Um, some of them get walked. Some of them don't get walked. They just um, go to play in the yard or whatnot and just hang out with them. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do pet sitting with overnight. kind of got away from doing overnights at my house. I'd much rather prefer staying at someone else's house. Especially depending on size of house, location, yard, neighbors, you know, that kind of thing of, you know, in-home boarding is kind of a delicate balance, I think, between continuing to work and having a home life yeah. and having some sort of separation. When I come home, I'm not tell people, to be honest, they was like, oh, you don't offer dogs to come in your house. And like, to be honest, like, when I come home, I want to be home. <laughs> and some of the dogs, they're just not used to that hard environment switch of like, this is a new routine these are my dogs, these are my cats. And for them to like pick up on that, it's just too stressful for them. As someone in the business, like really good that you were able to make that note of, no, I, I need separation some way to get away from all this because it can become all consuming, especially if, okay, now I've got dogs in my house 24 seven too, that I'm caring for. Like it can be never ending. Especially if you don't have a dog that what I like to call travel savvy. So somebody signs up for boarding in your home and it's a five-year-old dog that's never left his house and now its environment is completely flipped upside down not good so a lot of what you're talking about here is and i I hear it is talking about dog behavior and it sounds like you really pay attention to a lot of that and put a lot of thought into the animal behavior in the pets that you are caring for is that something that you've always done or how did that get started and, and draw your attention 
Yeah, so I do have a background in dog training and dog behavior. I went to a lot of, you know, dog training seminars and behavior seminars and whatnot. I do enjoy that a lot. And I actually wanted to do more dog training when I first started working with the dogs, but I kind of fell into the pet sitting and dog walking role. But honestly, like during my dog walks, especially in my two hour group, we do a lot of dog training as well, just keeping up with roles and consistency making sure that they're walking nice, they're not, you know, pulling, they're not lunging, they're not barking. I think that's what a lot of people miss out on is like all the consistency and training that we do like behind the scenes of walking. No, it really is. It's not just taking Fido out for a quick walk. Like, there's a lot that goes into that, whether the client understands that or not. Like a trained pet sitter, a trained dog walker are doing leash corrections. They're do, working on commands and, and all that is is brought into that. And if you, especially if you're doing pack walks at that point, you're really dealing with a lot of different attitudes and behaviors going on too. I'll have maybe like four to five dogs at a time. The smallest I'll usually have a day is two dogs. Occasionally I can take my dogs, my personal dogs with me too. They'll come home and I'll be so tired and it's not from walking. It's just from like keeping up with them and making sure they stay like, in line this is what we're doing this is where we need to go because if you let them kind of do whatever they want then they're just gonna do whatever they want and drag you around but i know the owners appreciate it because then that's why they send me they'll be like oh he needs structure in his life send them the mechanics yeah it's not just you know the, the the physical toll of of walking and doing all of that which i think as COVID has come in, a lot of us have realized like, Ooh, I'm not getting in my 20,000 steps or whatever I used to. And, but it's also, it's also the mental aspect too, of I'm not, you know, mentally engaged. Your, your brain is just turned on. And as you said, of doing these little corrections, paying attention to little behaviors constantly while you're on those walks, like that, that does. And is such a, a mental exertion, I think a, way above and beyond any you know physical exertion too. So when I pair them in groups, I pair them in what like what they like to do and what they're able to do. So some of them are able to be off leash, some of them not so much. Some of them really like to play fetch, some of them rather explore the, the woods. So when I put them in groups, like I said, I take that into consideration of what they like to do. I can't have a fetch group with one dog that's in the woods exploring, wandering off. If it's fetch time. They're all playing fetch. Some of them are interchangeable. They'll do whatever like the group is doing. They're just happy to be out. Well, and two, that shows a lot of this planning and forethought on the on the front end that a lot of people don't even don't even consider. Of oh, I thought you would just take dogs and wherever they were, you just put them all in a group and go. But it's like no, there's a whole (laughs) no, there's a there's a whole other thought process that goes into that that clients you know have no idea what's going on you know most of the time so we do go but it has to be in a structured way so so with a lot of this and a lot of your structure kind of transition into a little bit about how that's changed a little bit with COVID-19 so what did that look like early on a couple months ago you know what were some of the signs that you saw or or you know, things, how did that transpire for you? Gosh, um, I guess the early days of COVID, it, it wasn't so much real for me up until, I mean, probably honestly real for everybody until people stopped going to work. And it was like a major thing because we've had like the spine flu and whatnot go on before the whole world and essentially like shut down for that. I mean, we still 
for moving forward. It's been a little bit tough because especially with my group of dogs, I walk them out at the local park. Some of the clients will meet me out at the park and then some of them I'll pick up and physically take them there. And um, it's been a little bit difficult because now there's a lot more people out. There's so many people out Mm. on the trails and stuff. And the places where I used to be able to um, take them off leash and they could run around and there's areas and whatnot, they're just filled with people everywhere. So we've been a lot of on leash, a lot of walking, and um, a lot of just avoiding others. I'm happy the other people who are home have time to take their dogs out. But please, please don't let your dog rush up to mine. Please don't do that. Well, and that's kind of exposing a little bit of this difference of people's mindsets of maybe before they never used to take their dogs out, but now they're needing a release and someplace to go. And they, they're not, you know, they might not know about this etiquette or, or, or be as knowledgeable about dog behavior as the dog walkers and the pet sitters in these areas. And so there is all of a sudden this tension of like, what, what are you doing? (laughs) Because when I would go out and walk at the park, I'd see the same people. Pre COVID, it was the same people. Same two little dogs would walk past us. It was fine. So did you ever have to close down or stop services entirely? Or have you been able to operate this whole time? I've been open this whole time. I feel bad for the people that have to close, not by choice, but had to. I'm really lucky for the support system I have with my family and my boyfriend. And I'm able to do this job because essentially this job is a luxury job and it's not essential. But I talked to a few other dog walkers in my area, and they were still open, so I stayed open, and they said it's still clear to go. I was, I was happy to service the people that still needed me and whatnot. When you think about it, of, of just how thankful you are for the clients that you have and that are still there and continue to support you, um, you know, how did clients react to this? You know, how did you commu- talk to them about things that were going on or did they have a lot of questions for you during this time? Um, not really, to be honest. I talked to a few of my clients who I thought would possibly have an issue with it. And I said, Hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm doing. And they were like, that's fine. You know, he still wants to come out and run around with you. So I said, okay, <laughs> we'll take precautions. <laughs> and um, most of the time, like for the new contact, um, it was either they left the dog in the garage or like a mudroom area and I could just go in and get the dog and come out so I didn't have to see them. Or the dogs that I physically tell off the property and put them in my car, they could just open the door and the dog would run out and run the car. I mean, some of them were still working from home. Uh, they were happy to, that I was still working because the dog could get out while they did their Zoom calls and whatnot. And the dog could get out and run around. No, well, that, that's really cool and, and glad that um, yeah, they were. You were still able to provide service to them. One of the recent guidelines that came out from the CDC was about limiting exposure between pets from different families. And since since you do group walk, what were your thoughts about that? And did you have any concerns, or you know, how did that? How did you process that? I was I was I was confused. I was super confused because for a couple of reasons. First, I, I see the CDC puts that out, and then no offense to the pugs, but. I can't really breathe on a good day. And then also that comes out and they're like, limit that, limit dog to dog interactions. And then like two hours later, I get emails from the daycares in my area for dogs that they're opening up. I was just all around confused about it. And then I did contact one of the other dog walkers in my area. He's a good mentor for all the little dog walkers out there. And I asked him, I said, are you stopping like mixing clients together? And he said, no, like it's just um, like 
it's just a suggestion, I guess, but to be cautious, of course. Yeah, I know that was one of our first thoughts, was, too, was... I just wasn't clear. <laughs> like, I just didn't... Un- I honestly didn't understand it. And I didn't want to put anybody at risk or stuff. I mean, I told my clients, like, if you don't want your dog around the other dogs, that's fine. Like, I just won't come get them. And they're like, no, they're fine. Like, just wipe them down when we get home. Just had to make sure I, like, cleaned everything in my car and make sure there wasn't, like, that of, like, cross-contamination. Yeah, it really did seem like a guideline that was just a, a true overabundance of caution of them trying to limit exposure from as many different vectors as possible. But when you're in that industry, all of a sudden you're like, okay, now, now what do I do with this? I, <laughs> and it is confusing still. I was, yeah, and I think that they put it out there because they just didn't really know. So instead of them just saying like, I don't know, they're just going to put it out there just as a precaution. Thinking about how. 2020 has started and kind of some of the limitations and restrictions that Pennsylvania has in place. How do you see the rest of 2020 looking for you and your business and the, your dog walking? There's no one really traveling, obviously. And I just, I don't know. We'll see what happens in the fall. The fall might be pretty busy. I had weddings from April to the end of summer that all got rescheduled to the fall that their people were getting married and they needed me to stay over their house. I guess it looks like dog walking, not too much pet sitting. I think I have one scheduled for the end of August, and we'll see how that holds up. But I know a bunch of the weddings that I had planned for dog sitting, they're all moved to the fall, and we'll just see what the fall brings. I quickly forgot because I was like, oh, I don't have any pet sitting. I can go to these concerts and go to like do all this stuff. And then I remember, I was like, wait, there's a reason why this is canceled. I remember now. Um, it was just like that quick you forgot. But that quick I forgot. I was like, oh, I can go to that concert now. I'm like, oh, wait. Canceled. I'm in Allegheny County. They announced the other day that all the pools were closed. So we have the water park, Sandcastle, and the amusement park, Kennywood. Sometimes I will get like uh, just day visits of pet sitting because they go to Kennywood or they go to Sandcastle, or they go to the baseball game, the Pirates, and they need me to stop by and feed the dog and let them out. I don't even know if they're going to be open this year. So we'll see. It was really kind of sad because every May, there's this little school fair, and they sell these donuts. I was walking past, and it just hit me. I was like, there's no donuts this year. And these donuts are a big deal. The line will be all the way across the street through the parking lot. One of the reasons why I named it Sunfire Canines, and um, I didn't put like actual dog walking and pet sitting in the name, in the logo, was because I never knew, like I knew I wanted to do dog walking and pet sitting. And then eventually I did want to like branch out to do more dog training or go whichever route that I could do. So when I also, when I picked the name Sunfire Canines, I wanted to be able to be able to branch out into any category that it fell into. So if it fell into more dog training, it'd be fine. If it fell into more pet sitting, it'd be fine. But for the future, I would love I would honestly love to like shadow or like walk with another dog walker from a different area or like a different state, see how they manage it. Um, like the dog walkers in New York who have like 10 dogs at a time. I'd love to see that. Um, only because I want to know where they put all their poop. I think they just carry it in a grocery bag. No, seriously, listen. Because I'll walk four dogs and each of them will sometimes poop like four times, sometimes double, maybe eight yeah. times. Right. So I'm constantly like making stops at the trash can, throwing it away, throwing it away. And they walk eight dogs. Where is it all going? <laughs> don't know. I guess they carry a grocery bag. I want to know. So, if you okay. have an answer, I want to know. But yeah, I think the future for me would be doing a little bit more dog training. What I um, 
originally started off on. If you look on my Facebook page, you can see that I'll dabble in that little bit of my two-hour group will do some training exercises and whatnot. Yeah, no, that'd be very exciting. There's a lot of different avenues to pursue with that and ways to, to grow and expand, too. And it's a great add-on service, too. You've already got the dogs in front of you. You know, you can, that's something you can start, start working in. Too. Yeah, that and um, I went to community college for a little bit for theater, and I would love to possibly work with training dogs for the theater or for like commercials. I had one opportunity. They were filming a um, TV show in Pittsburgh, working at the hotel, and the production team and the dog trainer was staying at our hotel. So they're like, oh, Mackenzie, you work with dogs? And I said, yeah. And they were like, would you like to come see the dogs being trained to work in the TV show? And I said, yes. Yes, like tell me when and where and I will be there. I want to see that. And um, it was from a training perspective, it was super cool because the dog had to be on. On as in like you have all this camera equipment and all these people standing around. You know, sometimes it was loud. It was super quiet. The dog had to just adjust. And for them to train the dog to be able to handle that situation, I think was pretty amazing. Right. And it's it's still, I think, through the rest of the year, we're going to continue to be reminded of those little things that maybe we took for granted or didn't think would have been impacted, but, but are going to. So thinking about um, maybe some of your favorite resources or tools or things that you use in your business or day-to-day life, what are some of your favorite resources for pet sitters that you recommend to others that they use or, or maybe look up? Yes. Okay. So everything for my scheduling, I just use pen and paper. I'm not that big, so I just pen and paper and then Google calendars. I used to use Excel and like put everybody's information in there like each day of like when I saw them and all this and that. And I was like, I just write it here in my pen and paper. I just I just like that. And then for your mileage, highly, highly, highly suggest to use Mile IQ. It's super easy. Download the app. I think it's I forget how much it is, but it's so much a year. Buy it and then you can write it off for your business. And it'll track your mileage and like where you go and whatnot. And then once you do that same route over and over and over again, it'll recognize that. And then you can just put it in automatically. Before it recognizes it, though, you can just, it'll say, oh, you drove from home to Ace's house. And whenever you go and I have somebody do my taxes, you can just show them in the app or print out what it is and you just hand it to them super easy um you just swipe for business or swipe for leisure and there's like other options too but um it's so easy to keep your mileage yeah using those kind of tools to try and reduce as many barriers as possible so you can take advantage of things like those tax write-offs of if you are finding that you're not recording your mileage because it's too complicated or you forget well mile iq sounds like something that you can get in and really make it as easy as possible so that you can get that right off at the end of the year. Oh yeah. It's super easy to use. And even if the app is running in the background of your phone. Um, so even if you forget, it still logs it. The only thing is, is that if you do a lot of traveling that isn't related to your business, it will pick up on that. It's a pretty cool app and I do enjoy it a lot. It's super easy to use that app. And then I also, I just bought Canva which was recommended by like <laughs> all of the social media marketing platforms. And before I bought it, I was just playing around with it. And then all like the cool pictures and the better pictures you have to buy. You know, I think you can buy them individually or you can just buy like the whole app itself or how much ever. So I bought the whole app. I like that. But now <laughs> when I go and look at other pet sitters websites or other uh, websites, I'm like, oh, you got that off Canva. <laughs> 
oh no, it's yeah. <laughs> the illusion has been ruined. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, no, no. So when I pick photos, I try to pick photos on off Canva that like I don't see a lot, and it's not that yeah. it's not that I don't want people to know that I'm using Canva. It's just I don't want to be using like the stockiest of stock photo. Pro, pro tip for Canva, scroll down a couple times yeah, to just, go down through the selections, right? Scroll <laughs> down like five times and uh, you'll find something that someone hasn't already. No, it, it's a really, really cool tool. And I, I encourage anybody who's listening who hasn't used it or checked it out. Like, It's a great way to get access to a really fast way of making logos or Instagram posts or things like that, because you get access to stock photo art and stock images that you can throw on and make something really fast. Yeah. I, it's, there's so much on it too. Like there's like hundreds of thousands of photos on, on there. And it's almost overwhelming on what you can do on there. You can just sit and play around with it. I think I get like my, I have like midnight artistry and I get like my best ideas, like o'clock in the morning one of the cool things that i that i found uh was, i played around with a little bit too is that you can import your logo and then pull colors from that so you oh, can keep yeah, consistency is, yeah. throughout all of your photos and things like that too yeah. for, for branding. branding colors i i understand it and the branding font i understand it there's so many other colors i like besides yellow and orange <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. i want to use <laughs> yeah. all of the colors but i try to keep it consistent my facebook looks a lot better than my Instagram. My Instagram is kind of just like a hodgepodge of photos that like aren't as great as the ones that made it to Facebook. But I have like it's different because sure. I like have a different audience between Instagram and Facebook. Like Facebook is more my clients, and then Instagram is just a random people that follow the hashtag German Shepherd or whatever. Well, Mackenzie. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your, your background and, and how these times have affected you and how you've been able to continue to persist and, and keep going through them. Uh, if people want to check out your cool new logo and your website and all that stuff, how can they get in touch with you and, and reach out and follow you follow along? Yes. Yeah, so Instagram, it's just at Sunfire Canines and then canines just spell the whole word C-A-N-I-N-E-S. And then my Facebook is Sunfire Canines as well. Um, like I said, my Facebook is a little bit more, a little bit more educational than my Instagram. My Instagram is just pictures of the dog. Well, again, it's been a real pleasure talking with you, Mackenzie, uh, and we wish you all the best. And uh, we'll hopefully ha be able to have you back on soon and and hear how things are going and how they've progressed. Oh, sure. Thank you for having me. It was a good chat. <laughs> Listening to McKinsey, it is such a wonderful reminder of the different perspectives that each one of us has and brings to the table when we share our stories and our experiences. Thinking back to episode 58, where Megan and I discussed a lot of the lessons that we were taking away from this, McKinsey touched on many of them. The importance of not giving up, of being resourceful, of being able to reflect and rely on your community, all of those are things that we have all experienced in unique and varied ways. And we love hearing from you. Check out our website at PetsitterConfessional.com. You can find out more about each of our guests from this episode and all the previous ones, read detailed show notes, and find out how to contact us. You can email us at PetsitterConfessional at gmail.com or give us a call 636-364-8262.
leave us a voicemail and let us know what you're up to these days. And we'd love to be able to feature it in an upcoming episode. We'll be back again on Monday. Talk to you again soon.